Amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat this morning. Um, so we're doing lots of, lots of fun things today. And uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but any, if you dedicate your baby, you get a free pizza to eat during church. Uh, so if we told you that before, you probably have a ton of people signing up their, their five-year-olds and 18-year-olds and everybody else in between. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're, just, we're, we're really glad that you're here, that you've come. I know a lot of you have come to share in a moment with your families. Uh, some of them have been, uh, the, we've dedicated the babies. Uh, some of them, are, we're going we're gonna to baptize here in a minute. Then we're all going to get to share communion at the end of today. These are always really fun Sundays for us uh, as, as a staff, because this is why we do what we do, so that people will act and people will step into uh, the story that God has for you. Uh, I know that uh, maybe some of you that are first time here, we've been talking about Shift 22. Uh, we're not talking about that today. We've kind of just been uh, sharing that story about the future of our church and the vision over the past two Sundays. But there's one thing that I do want to mention that I, that I forgot last week. There was an oversight for me as well. And that is uh, one, of the, one of the names that I left off the list was a, a guy by the name of George Haddox, who passed away a little while ago, uh, some, some, maybe a little over a year ago. I can't remember quite exactly. Uh, but he was the founding pastor of Hollywood Road Community Church, which was this church uh, a little over 20 years ago, about 22 years ago. He was the founding pastor. I never worked with George, but he was very instrumental in uh, gaining funding and uh, talking to people and setting up this little church that now has become Journey Church over the years. And I just wanted to make sure that I uh, didn't leave him off the list that we acknowledge that he was a part of this journey as well, as we talked last week about this idea of legacy. You know, we, we talked about legacy last week, and it's amazing because there's kind of a progression when we talk about legacy, at least there is when I see it. Legacy is about us starting with a moment of dedication, that we dedicate our children, kind of like what we've seen today, or we dedicate our lives to something bigger. And when we live dedicated lives, it leads us to obedience. It leads us to try to do the right thing. That's, that's, what, that's what, you know, Julie was sharing with the families today. That's what the families are saying. We're going we're gonna to try and raise our kids to love the Lord. We're going to try and raise our kids to be obedient followers of Jesus. And the reason why we do that is that we believe that when we obey Jesus, we find life. And when we find real life, it leads us to a life of legacy that we pass on to our kids. And then the cycle starts all over again. Legacy is not just something that we do at the end of our lives. It's something that we're doing throughout our lives as well. Now today, we're going to talk about baptism. And so let's talk about baptism today. And some of you maybe uh, didn't grow up in churches. And so you know, we're going to dunk people underwater here in a minute. And you're going to say, what is this all about? Why, why is this church doing this? Why, why is this something that people are choosing to do? Why is everybody wearing these weird shirts that have these, you know, made new on the front? And it says it on the front of this, I mean, let's be honest, it's just a horse trough. It's not an actual baptistry, but we're just using it like that. We painted it and made it look good, but it's just a container that has some water. And there's nothing magical about the water. It's a, baptism is an act of submission. It's an act where we, we, we put people underwater like Jesus was buried in the tomb and raised in resurrection. That's what it symbolizes. There's nothing magical about what we're doing. There's nothing uh, powerful or perfect about the people that are doing it. We are very imperfect people as well. But this is a, an important thing, and we're going to talk about it today because I want us to hear a few things. And students, I'm going to talk to you here in a minute about something, and I'm going to be very upfront with you. 
Um, so, so make sure you listen today, okay? But let's talk about a few things. I'm going to share five things today. They should be pretty easy to follow. Number one is this. Baptism is obedience. When we become followers, when you have children, when you work at a job, there is a level of obedience that is required in our lives. Whenever I hire a new employee, I want to make sure that two things are there because these are two things that are hard to teach. I want to know if they have a humble spirit, if they can hear good and bad, maybe about themselves. And the second thing is, I want to know if they're coachable. Can I help you and train you to do better in the things that maybe you don't do well at and to do even better at the stuff that you're already good at? But I don't know, you you probably have some people like this. Maybe you are one of these people. You don't like hearing any criticism and nobody can tell you anything ever because you already know everything. And that, that, those people tend to struggle with sometimes being obedient in this world, but especially being obedient to God. Baptism is about us being obedient. When we read the Bible, there is a story that emerges, and we are obedient to follow it. And maybe another way to say it, or maybe a simpler way to say it is this. Baptism should be important to us because it's important to Jesus. We see in the, the early ministry of Jesus, Jesus goes to John at the Jordan River, John the Baptist, and he says, I need you to baptize me. And then they argue for a minute because that's what you do with God. You argue with God. And then God eventually just tells you, be quiet, do what I'm telling you to do. And John baptizes him. And and Jesus does this and says, I need to be obedient to this. And so something inside me says, if it's important to Jesus, it probably should be important to us. When Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, so this is after the resurrection that we'll celebrate in a couple of months, after he has spent about 40 days with his disciples, he takes them up onto a mountain, kind of like what happened at the beginning of Matthew when he takes them up on the mountain for his first sermon, called the Sermon on the Mount. At the end, he takes them up the mountain right before he gets taken up before them and goes into heaven. And he says these words to the disciples, to his followers. He says, All authority in heaven has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. The last thing that Jesus says before he looks at his disciples and says, hey, I'll see you in a couple of years. The most important thing that Jesus says is, now I want you. You've been obedient to me. Now I want you to go out and find obedient people. And the way you're going to know people are obedient and that they're truly disciples is because they're going to accept being baptized into my story. And then they're going to be willing to learn what I have to teach you, and I'm going to go with you as you do those things. Baptism means we are ready to be serious about our faith. It means we've got to a point where we say, this is a a big deal, and I need to step up into this, and and I need to make some decisions and some covenants with God. Baptism is about being obedient. Number two, and this is the one that people don't like, students, I'm about to talk to you, just warning you a second time. Baptism is public. We do it in front of people. Now, I know what everybody's going to say. I just don't like getting up in front of people. Yeah, get over it. 
This is how we do it. But maybe in the midst of that as well, there's a line or tag that we need to add to this. And that is simply this. If your fear does not outweigh your desire, then you're probably not ready. Because this is about being serious about our faith. And if 30 seconds of bravery, everybody that comes in goes, I'm really nervous. And we're like, yeah, you should be. It's a big deal. You're nervous before a race or before an interview or before other things when big life events are significant. But we, but we take on bravery and courage just for a few seconds because this is a big deal. Now, I want to talk about something that some of you may know about and I barely know about. It's an app on many of your phones called TikTok. Okay? I told some of our staff this week, and I said, if we made baptism a TikTok challenge, everybody would be baptized. Right? Right? You're all agreeing. Because I've seen some of your TikTok videos. And let me tell you, it's something. Have you seen yours? Shane, Lucy, we need to have some conversations about your parenting. Um, okay? Guys, I... Students, I want you to hear my heart, but adults, I want you to listen as well. We put our whole lives, you guys are brave. You guys are doing all this, mm, mm, what, I don't know, okay? Shauna, you want to join me? Is that where you're coming up? <laughs> okay, you're glad you didn't miss it. You guys do that in public all the time. You're, you're, you're putting stuff out there. And then people say, well, I'm too scared to get up in front of people and be baptized. I don't believe you. I think it's an excuse. I think it's a cover. You guys need to have courage. And when in your heart, when it says, I need to make, I need to make a stand for my faith, you need to just be courageous. It takes 30 seconds. Nobody will laugh at you. Everybody will be in tears. Everybody will love that. Your parents want that for you. Parents, you need to be leading your kids in these conversations. You don't need to be forcing them and pushing them and saying, hey, time's a ticking. You, you, you need to get going on this. But we need to be encouraging this. You heard what Julie said up here, the third question she asked every parent. Do you realize that as church people, it's not our job to convert your kids. It's your job. You are their parent. You are their spiritual leader. We're going to help you as best we can. But it is your responsibility to lead your kids and lead your family. And we're going to work as partners together. So students, I know some of you are ready for this, but you're too scared to do it, or you've convinced yourself you're too scared to do it. Today can be the day. You can say, you know what? I'm ready. My fear of this is going to be outweighed because I want to be serious about my faith. And I want you to think about that. I don't want you to feel guilty or Sheldon yelled at me or did a funny dance. I want you to think about this. I am ready to be serious about my faith. The reason why we do it publicly is because baptism is about resurrection and community, and it should be done publicly. Why would we rob each other of the opportunity to watch what God is doing in another life, a life that is being raised in resurrection like Jesus was raised in resurrection? We, we need to celebrate this together. There's a verse in the, in the Bible here. You can go ahead and bring that up here. I believe it's in uh, Acts chapter 8. Where, um, where Philip is sent. This is, this is after the disciples have taken up this charge. Philip is sent to 
this guy who's reading the Bible. He's been to Jerusalem. He's from Ethiopia. And he's traveling back home. And God sends Philip and he explains things to him and talks about who Jesus is and what it means to have faith. It says, and then this Ethiopian eunuch gives orders to stop the chariot. I mean, and it's not just he and Philip there. There's probably hundreds of people. And they stop and they go down into the water and Philip baptizes him. And they do it so that everybody can see it's for the benefit of the community. Which leads me to point number three. Baptism is relational and communal. It's representative of the relationship we have with God. It's a celebration of the resurrection and that now we have been brought near to God and we can have relationship with Him. But it's also a communal thing. I just want you to know most of the things we do as a church are communal. When we worship, it's communal. When we take the Lord's Supper, it's communal. When we dedicate babies, it's communal. When we serve, it's communal. When we give, it's communal. You getting the point? We should never rob people of community and we should never rob people of seeing the resurrection. That's why baptism matters, because we're watching a life be changed in our midst, a life being laid down and then taken up in the presence of God. It's a big deal. Number four, we're almost done. Baptism is transformative. There's a reason why it says made new. We're not renovated. We're made new. We're, we're restored to what God desires us to be. If you read the Bible, it says that as we are in relationship with God, our lives will change. If, if people come in for marriage counseling, we sit down together. I start in a different place. I say, tell me about your personal quiet time with the Lord. Well, I don't have one. Why don't we start there? Put God first every morning and see how that starts to change your relationship. Pray with your kids before you eat a meal. See how that starts to change things. Do some new things in your home. That doesn't mean you, you can't improve your communication or, or stop fighting about, you know, if the toilet seat's up or down or whatever you fight about in your home, how they squeeze the toothpaste too. People fight about ridiculous things. And a lot of it's because we're just selfish. But when we give ourselves to God fully, He changes us in ways that we didn't always know we needed change. And transformation leads to reconciliation. That's a big word. We don't often use that word because it's a little little scary for us maybe. But reconciliation means things are made right between us and God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to read a few passages here today just to kind kind of show you what we're talking about. Beginning in verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, meaning Jesus, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The new has come. The old is gone. The new is here. 
All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. What that means is a life of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And that he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He says Jesus did everything. God has made a way. God has opened up the floodgates. There's there's no excuse. There's no reason. God wants reconciliation. God's not trying to embarrass you. God is trying to buy you. He's trying to have you. He's trying to make sure that you are his own. That's why he's given everything. Last point today, and we're going to spend just a little bit of time on this as well. Baptism gifts us the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us this. Right after the day, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus has ascended into heaven. The disciples have waited 10 days and they've had an experience. God has descended on them and given them the Holy Spirit. Peter gets up and he preaches a sermon and he talks about who Jesus is and what God has done. And the people hear this, it says, they're, they're cut to the heart. They're, they're undone. They say, he's talking to me. And they go, what, what are we supposed to do now? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, listen to what Peter says. He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, what he's actually saying here is the place in your life that is occupied by sin, when you give that to God, he takes that and he puts the Spirit in its place. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words, he warned them, pleaded with them, did TikTok dances for them, I don't know. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's, That's a lot of people that really want to be involved in this story of God. Paul says it a bit later. Now, this is, this is kind of an interesting part. Some people go, well, you know, you're saying baptism is the moment people receive the Holy Spirit, but, you know, other people say other things. Listen, Jesus is the one that told the disciples that. The disciples, on the first day, when they preach the first sermon, they say that. And when Paul echoes these words, he's including these things together. But in Ephesians 1, verse 13, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his 
glory. Paul's not saying believing is fine. Paul's assuming that people know that when you come into a relationship with God and you step into obedience, he knows that those people are being baptized as well because that's what Jesus commanded and that's what the people taught. Baptism marks us for eternity. It gives us a badge that God says, that one's with me. It's a VIP backstage pass when you get, you know, at the end of your life, when you get up to, you know, the gates, as we call it. As you get up there, they're like, oh yeah, you're one of us. You've got a pass. You come right in. You've got the Spirit of God in you. Obviously, you belong here. That's the point of what they're saying. Last passage here that I'll read today, and then we'll talk a little bit about baptism and how we're going to do things this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it's kind of a retelling of what we read a little earlier. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's why, that's why Jesus did it. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. You know, when the ark was being built, it took a hundred years. And God waited for those hundred years for people to be repentant, but they never were. He gave them chance after chance after chance, but they refused. It says... It was only a few people, eight in all, who were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you too. The eight people that were obedient, that got on the ark, were saved. And Peter says, that's how it works for you too. That's what baptism is for you. Not the removal of dirt from your body, but a pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is not what saves you. It is Jesus that saves you. But it is our obedience that puts us in the vicinity for Jesus to save us. And so I want to say today, you need to stop waiting. You need to stop making excuses. You need to stop being afraid. You need to hear God. You need, to, you need to block out all the distractions that we so easily find. And say, you know what? This is a big deal. I don't understand everything about it. But I know that God is calling me to this in my walk of faith. I know the promises that God makes when I'm willing to do this. And be obedient. Have courage. Be brave. Let people see the resurrection of Jesus. Resurrection is not just something that happened thousands of years ago. It's something that we're going to see today. And it's not because of us, I promise, because I cannot raise anything. But God can. God can raise you up. And the same way that we've dedicated babies to be raised to love Jesus the same way that we will share in the Lord's Supper together. That represents death so that we might find life. This is a moment where we can share. I want to just encourage you today. 
be baptized. If you've never made this step, it matters. It's a big deal. I know some people that always say, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. Yeah, nobody ever is. Well, when I get my life together, then, then I'll do this because, you know, then, then God will work in me. And my, my point is, no, why don't you do it so God can do his work in you? Because no matter how good you are, you're never going to be good enough. We have, some, we have three so far today that have made this commitment. Beckett, who's our, our youngest, and then Hayden somewhere, can't remember where you are, somewhere back there, and Heidi. Representation, the expressions of their faith, covenantal moments, just like these people who stepped forward and were counted. If you're going to be baptized today, please come forward.